This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Yellow Home Podcast. It's Yellow Home. Home. With Anna Schofield. And Big House. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brothers and sisters. Uh, so the whole day, I am here on Pulse 95 Radio <laughs> shouting out this incredible guest. And uh, guess what? She's actually live with us right now on Pulse 95 Radio, Yalla Home. I want to give her the proper introduction, but I want to welcome my co-host uh, for the day, Sally Musa. How are you doing, Sally? Sally? Oh my gosh, this it's, is huge. I'm kind of a bit shivering, if you understand what I'm saying. It's you're weird. Um, but this is such a huge, huge moment for me, and I've been talking about this for the whole day, really. Um, Ibtihaj Muhammad, you're actually an entrepreneur, you're an activist, you're a voice. You are overall an incredible personality that um, we're so proud to have you. Assalamu alaikum, Tihaj. How are you? Wa alaikum assalam. I'm good, alhamdulillah. How are you? It's such a huge honor to have you. Are you good with the microphones or loud? Okay, a bit lower. Okay, that's good. We're good, okay. Thank you. We're good. (laughs) Blessings uh, again. Welcome to Sharjah. Thank you. mm. How's the book fair so far from what you've seen? Well, I've spent most of my, my, I've only been here two days. I spent most of my time back and forth to uh, Dubai. Mm. Uh, But the book fair, so far, so good. It's insane out there. It is. (laughs) Right? A lot of people like to read and, and, you know, um, and obviously buy also books and get their books signed by the authors. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm going to really start getting into it because we have, you know, limited time before your amazing sessions between you both, which I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Ibtihaj, as, as somebody who was able to break barriers in every single way, I've seen a lot of your interviews and you always talk about that. I want you to talk to us about how were you able and how was the journey uh, to make that happen? Because again... I'm here in Sharjah and I'm from Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, especially women, look up to you because mm-hmm. you were their voice. Oh, um, that's awesome. Yeah, subhanAllah. And, and I think it's, it's, it's amazing. So how did this whole journey start for you knowing yeah. that fencing for you started, I think you were on your way to school and it started out as a way because it, it belongs and somehow was into your religious beliefs as Islam. Yeah. Uh, I, I played sports for most of my life. Mm. and. I remember always having these issues with the uniform. Even before I wore hijab, uh, my parents always struggled to find a long sleeve to go underneath a team like tank top or find spandex to go underneath team shorts. And my mom and I uh, stumbled upon fencing randomly. We were literally at a stoplight. We saw fencing in the local high school. New Jersey, was that? Yeah, New yeah. Jer- shout out to my, all the New Jersey folks. Shout yes. out New Jersey. Just me, but that's amazing. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, um, you'd be surprised. Uh, Our yeah. podcasts go out to the U.S. Oh, we love. have listeners there, too. Yeah. Uh, so my mom and I saw fencing for the first time at, when I was 12, and uh, we didn't know what it was, but my mom saw that the athletes were fully covered, and mm. she knew I was going to you know, start wearing hijab soon, so she was like, you know, halas, that's it, you're going to fence. <laughs> and um, I started fencing in high school, and it was just kind of, uh, the rest is history in a way. Mm. Uh, I, I immediately saw that in fencing, I was kind of one of one in spaces where I was the only person of color, I was the only kid in hijab. And I think that the struggle was not internal. I've always, you know, maybe through family, maybe through a law, I don't know. I've always, I've never struggled with loving myself. Mm. Uh, but I noticed that my hijab uh, and my skin color had the power to change how people treated me. And it wasn't something that um, ever sat well with me. So I feel like my, my purpose in sport has always been to challenge, you know, the misconceptions that people have about wow. my ethnicity, Love about that. my faith. And I feel like it's always been like, you know, this this is this is bigger than sport. This is bigger than me. This is an opportunity to show all the kids out there that 
you don't have to live by society's, you know, limited expectations of you. Man, oh man. Like, you, you can exist as you are, you know, you don't have to change parts of yourself to make yourself palatable for other people. And to answer your question about, you know, like, how does it happen? Mm. I think that this has happened, you know, through faith, through my connection to Allah and Islam and just knowing that no matter what's thrown in front of me, no matter how insurmountable this obstacle can feel, um, I will get through it. And it, I swear, like, it, it is so much connected to just believing that, believing in Allah's plan for you, like believing in the Qadr and saying that I will get through this. Man. That is just so Drop the mic, ladies incredibly and powerful. <laughs> it really is, you know, because uh, a lot of people, especially young people, young women, young Muslim women who are visibly Muslim, mm -hmm. like yourself, struggle a lot with that, you know, and struggle with uh, being judged before they've even spoken, yeah. before they've even shown who they are and what they can do. And so this is, this is huge and this is powerful. And this is the reason I think why you wrote Proud as right. well, your memoir. And it's also out in a young reader's edition as well. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. No, I think that you've hit the nail on the head. It was when the opportunity came to write my memoir, to me, it was a moment to unpackage all these kind of like awful moments yeah. in a way that um, to me was very therapeutic. Yeah. When you're an athlete at the professional level, at the Olympic level, you don't have time to stop and say, you know, that was crazy what just happened. It's crazy this person said this. Give it's me, crazy give us an that, example of these moments because it's um, hard for some people who haven't been in that situation to imagine. Yeah. True. I mean, and this is why I encourage people to read Proud because it, it's so unbelievable, you know, the things that would happen. Like, I mean, my national coach has never liked me. I was on the U.S. team for eight years and I don't know if, like, as a, as a minority, you don't know why someone doesn't like you. And you never stop and say, like, hey, is mm -hmm. it my hijab? Is it my skin color? And it's is not, it because I'm a woman? Yeah, sorry, to, to, it's not even your duty to no, say that. you're it's, right. They have no problem. A hundred percent. And you also don't ask. Yeah. I don't think that that, is, that that burden is on those of us who, um, mm -hmm. you know, are oppressed in these ways. And I, don't, I shouldn't have to ask you. Actually, I don't care what you think. <laughs> and I think that... Um, when it comes to like this national coach, for example, and, and him not wanting me there, he made it very clear that he, he thought of me as like a temporary fixture on Team USA. Like he would speak about me in a way that I was going to be replaced next year, that hmm. somehow or another I wouldn't pr uh, perform. He always told me I was lucky. He always told me I was like strong or um, that I couldn't think tactically. And that's something that is placed on us as black athletes all the time. Hmm. That, I mean, when you look at someone like Serena, people are always talking about her brute strength that she yeah, has. Yeah, like but, she's aggressive or something. I mean, and this dates back oh, historically man. to even yeah. slavery and yes. the way that we've treated black bodies. So I've, I, uh, as someone who understands that, knew that I had to kind of block that out and not mm. absorb the energy, like not being invited to team practices or not being told about team practices mm. or invited to team dinners and, and things that are meant to, I think, um, not only affect your performance, but also to break you mentally. Yes. And uh, it's like, how do you survive those things? And for me, it was, you know, really trying to stay rooted in my faith uh, to know that I... Allah, that's, yeah. What, what you're saying, every single word, I mean, I, I hosted Saudi's first FM hip-hop radio show. I went through a lot. And I went through a lot of people, you know, that really doubted me. But at the end of the day, you reach uh, a certain level where you really break through. Yeah. And in your case, like, for example, Michael Jordan was cut from his high school team. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think there's a lot of things. I think, subhanAllah, the way it works, God prepares you to become the person you are today. Do you want to know the Ibti Haj Muhammad? Yeah. You know? And, and that's you, like, again, holding on to the rope of faith and knowing mm. that 
we all have difficult moments and it's how you respond to those moments. Some of us allow th these moments to break us. You know, they allow us to, to deter us from reaching our goals, to realizing our dreams. And I don't know if it's because I'm stubborn or if I'm in the middle of five kids, but like I get what I want, <laughs> but it's a lot of, it's a lot of hard work mm. and a lot of effort. You know, family's a big thing for you. Yeah. Um, and very much uh, your new book, which was being launched tonight, the Proudest Blue, such a gorgeous children's book. Everybody has to read this. It is so beautiful. It's beautiful for the parents to read, mm -hmm. but this is going to be so powerful for the kids mm. who are like us yeah. to, to see themselves for the first time, you know, in storybooks in this way. But, you know, family is a big thing um, for you. So talk to us about the role that your sisters play, mm -hmm. that your parents play, because clearly this confidence you know, comes comes from a lot from yeah. that. God bless them, by the yeah. way. Like yeah, I mean, mashallah. I really, yeah, I mean, love just them. mashallah. Yeah. There, I mean, uh, you know how family is. They give you a hard time, but I love them. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think that you know my one of the cool things about the proudest blue is it's really about this universal experience of bullying that we all, no matter your age, no matter your gender, your nationality, we have all faced bullying at some point in our lives, right? And so it's this universal experience. Uh, it, it, the book kind of follows my two sisters, my sister um, Asiya and Faiza, mm. uh, to Asiya's first day of school. And Asiya's first day of school wearing hijab to school for the first time. Mm. And it's told from this very unique perspective of uh, Faiza seeing her older sister wear hijab and her thinking that her hijab is a crown. And her really seeing the beauty of hijab. Yeah. And I mean, think about the way society depicts us as yeah. Muslims and mm. depicts the hijab and in such a dark way and a demonizing way. Oh, yeah. And so to see it from our perspective, from the perspective of beauty, per, from the perspective of it being this like kind of cultural fixture mm. in a way that is that celebrates women and is meant to protect us, I think is so mm. unique. And why hasn't the story been told before? Yes. I, 100% right. I mean, the, I, I, we say this all the time at Pulse 95 and I know me and, and Sally Moose, who I look up to, by the way, uh, amazing Sally Moose, we always say, uh, our voices are being told for us. Our stories are being told for us. We right. need stories by us. Oh yeah, 100%. Um, you know, like for me, Islam actually liberates. And I'm mm -hmm. talking from coming from one of the most conservative countries in the world. Islam actually liberates. Mm -hmm. It's about liberation. It's not about holding you down. It never did. Mm -hmm. But obviously in the West, Ibtihaj, how is it? how does it feel to fight that American media as well? Because mm -hmm. they have that, you know, they yeah. have one stereotype view about Islam especially. Yeah. Do you fight that? Oh. I mean, just I think the best way to fight it is to be unapologetic about who you are. Thank you. There's this huge effort and wave in the United States um, of bigotry. We yes. see it with this new administration. Oh. It's unearthed this really nasty underbelly of the United States that I feel like has always been there, but now it's more prominent. Because we're seeing it from a distance. So is it as bad as what we're seeing? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can feel it. You feel it in the Starbucks line. Really? You feel it, you know, at the car wash. It exists. And I think, I mean, for me as a millennial, I, I feel it more now than I did after 9-11 when I was a kid. And um, I, the moment now, this is a big moment for uh, millennials, for Generation Z. How do you respond to this bigotry uh, for us as Americans? And it's unfortunate because you see a lot of people use this moment and they cower. They say like, oh, like now I have to take my hijab off. I have to change my name from Muhammad to Mo. I need to become more palatable, right? I need to like That's assimilate crazy. so that people don't know and I have to hide my Islam. And it's like, we have too many people who have showed us the way that it's supposed to be done. When you mm. think about Muhammad Ali, who kind of, who jeopardized his life, his career, his family's, yeah. you know, security 
for the greater humanity. Yes. It's like, who am I to say that I, I can't, yeah. I mean, I'll, I can't stand in, in firm in who I am. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll take it even up a notch as well with, uh, you know, the, the prophet, peace be upon him. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was doubted. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was doubted. Like, so who are we, all of us, to think that even, you know, we can be uh, doubted. But I love the way how you deal with these so-called ignorant minds. Yeah. I've seen you. The way you do it, Abtihaj, uh, is with grace. Well, and and that, that teaches a lot of people. Again, Saudi Arabia, there's a lot of p- people that think, especially, uh, you know, my sisters in Saudi Arabia, there's a, they even use the word oppressed. Mm-hmm. And now Saudi Arabia, you know, yes, they just started to drive, you know, the car and the, the women. Um, what are your thoughts about, you know, that, uh, given the, the fact that you did Hajj and Umrah about, like, was that like a year ago, nearly? Yeah. So uh, what was your views about Saudi? Ago. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm there for Hajj, you yeah. know, so... The experience. How was that? It was amazing. It was one of those things that you can't really explain. You just have to go and know that. I think a lot of people say, "When I'm ready, I'll go." You know, when I'm when it's my time, I'll go. And for me, it's like when Allah invites you, you you, like you go, right? It's not about whether or not you feel mentally ready. I had no idea I was going for Hajj. The opportunity presented itself like literally three days before I left. (laughs) So I just kind of showed up on the scene. But what it was meant for you, though. It was meant for me. You know, this was. This was a lost plan all along, yeah. and I mean, what a transformative experience! How did it feel when you saw the Kaaba for the first uh, time? I mean, it just—it literally, I mean, it just like I mean, uh, it makes your wee- your knees weak in a way because it it just like immediately softens your heart. It's something it that that it's you've so seen, that you see through social media, that you've seen in books as a kid, and to actually be there and have the opportunity to go. And I, you know, I think what, what's most interesting is that all of us want to go, but not all of us will have that opportunity. Man, you know, and it's, there's beauty in that. You know, having yeah. an opportunity to, to be there. Mm. Mm. Man, oh man, I, I can't believe we're having just Ittihad Muhammad on there. That's I know. all. I know. <laughs> so, we're we're, we're going to have to yeah. wrap up in, in a yeah. couple of minutes. But I kind of want to ask you about you know one of the coolest things that has ever happened to you because we're talking about representation mm. and the importance of it of, of seeing ourselves out there. I grew up when I was little. I had 12 Barbie dolls. Uh, yeah. And I had the Barbie house. Yes. And I had the pink Corvette. Wait, we and they had were- the same childhood. <laughs> but all of these Barbies were blonde yeah. and blue-eyed. No, Sally's parents, no. No, no, they didn't have them at the time. I'm old enough to, uh, to have not even had yeah. like brunette Barbie dolls. Like right. that's where I was at. Yeah. So when you got your own Barbie doll, mm. the first hijabi Barbie doll, mm-hmm. what was that like? Well, like you, Sally, I grew up in a house full of Barbies. I had the three-story Barbie dream house. I had the pink Corvette. I had the RV. I had the pool on the roof. I had it all. Um, But, you know, my my parents only bought me uh, brown Barbie dolls. I've never had a white doll in my life. Mm. Uh, And that was very intentional. My mom wanted to make sure that her girls saw themselves represented in the dolls that they played with. So my mom was woke before woke was a thing. Right. I and love I love that. I love that. I love her for that, you know, because <laughs> she she made sure that her kids uh, saw themselves represented. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to the toy store, uh, Toys R Us, big for me as a kid. Yes. Of course. And if my if I went down the Barbie aisle and I had the three brown dolls on the shelves, I didn't get a doll that day. So I remember when Mattel presented this idea to me that I would have the Shiro Barbie doll. Uh, it was awesome and very cool moment, pinch me moment in my life. But when they told me that my doll would go to retail and that, you know, kids around the world would have the opportunity to buy my Barbie doll, that brought tears to my eyes uh, because Mm. I know how important representation is for Mm. our kids to see themselves in the toy aisle, for them to see themselves in Barbie doll, which, I mean, has been around for for decades. But 
very recently has made this jump towards inclusivity and representation. I think it's groundbreaking. I, I love the fact that you said that. I mean, uh, we're, uh, you know, we'd l- I can talk to you for like five hours. I five swear to <laughs> you know, but we're not going to do that. Um, I, I just want to um, ask a question for my wife. She just sent it. My wife is a plus size uh, fashion blogger mm-hmm. and she just listened in to the word inclusivity that you're saying. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you said that because I'm a hip hop fan. I listen to the Hot 97 um, radio show. Dude, I, mean, I love Ebro. Ebro is my, Ebro's my boy. Ebro is my homie too. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Ebro. Love him. Uh, I think the fact that you mentioned that and you, he also asked you about, uh, I think it was Rosenberg who asked you about what if a white family started buying, um, uh, you know, like, you know, brown, brown dolls. And you, your answer was that. Mm-hmm. So how important is it for inclusivity? Like even for her as a plus size mm-hmm. fashion blogger, she's into inclusivity. She's not only saying plus size or thin size or whatever it is. Yeah. We want to be all one. Show yeah. me everything. Yeah. I mean, we all, we all desire to be included, whether yeah. or not we, we like to admit it. We all want to be included. Mm-hmm. We all want to be a com- part of the conversation. And that's why when I, I remember Nike kind of first started to introduce these plus size uh, mannequins in the stores. Oh, yes, that was a huge shout out Nike. I may not be plus size, but I was very like, I mean, it was um, again, like this moment where you're like, yes, why Pro has that. this not happened before? You have Olympic legs. <laughs> I mean, right. right? <laughs> Which I wanted my Barbie to have. Yes. I told Mattel, I was like, either this doll has strong and, and eyeliner or there's no deal 100 these were important for me bless, <laughs> bless. okay signature. just one last question you yeah. into hip-hop yes what who's your favorite like you know you know april put out that list that he got a lot of heat for i'm not sure if you've seen it the top you know 100 rappers oh, so man. who's your top three like who do you listen to um who do i listen to uh right now let me think <laughs> i don't know i've always been really big into little wayne okay. when he had his like little yeah. manic drug episode i yeah. couldn't listen to him <laughs> yeah. anymore okay okay uh but i listen to a lot of drake i like kendrick lamar i oh. love j cole oh yes yeah. of our generation yeah yes. for sure um any last words you'd like to say and as we're getting ready for uh, to host your sessions you guys yeah. any last words you'd like to say to pulse 95 which is charger's first and only english radio station yeah and we're very honored to have you go ahead i mean i i think it's great what you guys are doing i know there's a lot of expats here um mm. and there's this this movement around the globe uh, to learn english so i think yeah. that congratulations to you for having this station um i just would like to encourage your listeners to follow their dreams and never allow anyone to tell you no. Uh, there were, I faced a lot of pushback throughout my life, but I've never allowed people to define my journey for me. I just you know, put my head down and like to work hard. It's one of those days that you elevate. Um, thank you so much, Iftihaj, and good luck in your session right now. Um, it's this epic is gonna be from amazing. 8.30, guys. <laughs> Come down to the book fair. Make sure you are there for Iftihaj Muhammad's session. We're about to launch her latest book, mm. The Proudest Blue. It is so beautiful. Proud is also here. I know we've got that as well. Uh, we're going to talk about all of that today. It's going to be amazing. A big round of applause in the studio, please, yes. for Iftihaj Muhammad. Thank you Thanks so much. Salam alaikum, sister. Salam. Be thank blessed. Blessings be you. Thank you so much for blessing us with your time. We're going to be right back. Keep a lock. Pulse 95 Radio. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 5 p.m.